Welcome inside Conference USA. Andrew Rogers, Justin Zimmer, alongside Ben Cowerhold, join us in the second part of what is a podcasted version of Inside Conference USA as we recap week four and preview week five. Cannot be on the air due to Marshall Men's Soccer's contest at our normal time slate of 5.30. So we'll break this podcasted version up into two parts. First part, recapping week four, and the second part will be previewing week five and that's when you'll hear from ben cower all right justin let's start marshall app state it was a good football game on thursday night in fact it was the only thursday night football action in college football and it lived up to it marshall again uh was up heading into the fourth quarter but gives up 10 unanswered points and and falls on the road in a tough environment another tough loss and marshall is two quarters away from being four no two bad fourth quarters now and, and, and two losses to ecu and app state yeah, this was another collapse by Marshall, and, and we, we talked about it last week. You know, they couldn't close against East Carolina. We're like, okay, short turnaround. You kind of have to get out of your head and, and go into into Appalachian State and win the ball game. And first three quarters, it looked good again. You know, they had a they shut out the Mountaineers in, in the third quarter, 10-0. And then, you know, they have a – it was about close game. It was about 21 – about 31-21 heading into the start of the fourth and once again another collapse and you talk to the guy we're recording this Tuesday and you talk about now the locker room mentality they're mad I can't say that we're on a, even on a podcast I'm not gonna say the way that Millette used in his media availability but they're, they're furious I think they're all frustrated there's now I think now you gotta start having questions about the Marshall defense the offense is doing their part. Just the defense is collapsing in the fourth quarter. And Coach Huff came in with this whole fourth quarter program. They worked with Coach Ben Ashford on, on reaching their stride in the fourth quarter. They haven't done that the past two games. And they're collapsing at the seams. So there obviously needs to be questions somewhere. And is it the Gidry defense that collapsed? Yeah, it was. At least you go back and watch it. It was the Gidry defense. Wells, dominant performance, you know, 18 for 33, but no turnovers, which, you know, it's a big, big accomplishment because he's been known for turnovers. Ali, another good night. Gaines, another good night. Just the defense just didn't live up to their part. And, you know, if you're Marshall, you you, you have about you – you have nine days from that App State game before this Saturday's game against Mount Tennessee. They're going to have to quickly try to figure out what's going on because you don't want to prevent the season from going off the rails. But good performance against App State. You would have liked to win, but – Marshall's got a lot of stuff they need to work on before as they head into conference play. Yeah, I don't know if that I will term it as a Marsh as the Marshall defense losing this football game, just because um, think about Marshall and the way they were able to score ten points in that third quarter. All ten of those points came off App State turnovers. The defense got the interception, Mike Abraham with the pick, Eli Neal recovers a fumble. So Marshall's defense made those offensive points happen. So you could even say Marshall's offense never manufactured a drive in the second half at all. So the offense was good early on and settled for field goals at times in the red zone when you'd like them to punch it in. But the offense in the entire second half was really not there outside of using the momentum the defense built. Now the defense was bad. The fourth quarter run game and stopping the run was poor. But the offense didn't have much to provide either. And the offense had plenty of opportunities to maybe put this game away or uh, put more pressure on Appalachian State to win this game. Well, I think you talk about the offense. You know, the defense has to make the stops. The like Grant Wells is not going to go out and tackle Chase Bryce. That's just not going to happen. 
That that's the defensive line job. Huff, I think Huff introduced a new term today: emotional conditioning. He says, you know, they're not physically on the t- on the sidelines, you know, holding their knees and stuff, but they're they're emotionally tired, and, and that you know, I don't know who you blame that on. That yeah, that that seems more like a team problem than an individual problem. But Marshall, they got to come around in conference, but this is a team that's predicted to finish first in their conference. Past two weeks, they haven't shown it. Yeah, yeah I mean, and we're not. I don't think we're going to diss Marshall and say they're a bad football team because I mean, App State's them, but yeah, App State's a fine team. They're going to compete in the Sun Belt. It's just the way Marshall has lost now two games this season after having pretty substantial leads, and, and this one's not substantial. Nine points is nine points, but the offense goes cold. The defense struggles late. It was a mixture of all three phases of the game that didn't really finish. Special teams may missed another field goal in the fourth quarter. That's two weeks in a row the teams missed a field goal in the fourth quarter. So there's a bunch of different factors that go into these two losses, and we're not saying the ship is sailed on the final. No, I mean, the it's, ship's not sailing, but I'm just saying when you get to November. These things they, can't and, keep and, coming and, up. And they have a tough November schedule. They can't just have a, an almighty collapse and expect to win their division. So oh, yeah. The reason why I'm bringing up this perspective is this: if you're more, it's not time. It's not time to wave the white flag and call the season a bust. But there better be at least some red flags going off, being like, "Hey, we got a problem here," and this is two weeks in a row we haven't closed out games because come later in the year, when it'll come I, back to haunt you. Yeah. All right, let's go to the Friday night game uh, down in Jerry Richardson Stadium. The Charlotte 49ers continue their dominant season against the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. 42 to 39. Andrew, your thoughts on this? Middle Tennessee. We, we we've made fun of them on this program for kind of way not thinking that they. I, I mean, I've made fun, I don't know if I made fun of them. I've given a hard critique on them, but first night of the season, they actually looked they looked decent. They they looked like a cohesive unit. Your thought on this? This was a surprising score to me. I mean, 42 to 39. That is 81 combined points or 83 combined points. That's bad math. 83 combined points in this football game, something that I did not expect going in between these two schools. I think the over-under was like 55, so they weren't expecting many points in this game either, um, was Vegas. But 42 from Charlotte, Chase or Chris Reynolds, 339, four touchdowns. He continues to be really good. The running game for Charlotte was there. Grant DeBose on the outside has really been a nice complimentary piece to Victor Tucker. Those two guys are really Reynolds' go-to guys. But I was thoroughly shocked with what Middle Tennessee State was able to do on offense. We talked about Bailey Hawkman being the quarterback, but Chase Cunningham draws the start from head coach Rick Stock still after a good performance the week prior, and he throws 300. He throws for 379 yards and five touchdowns, all five touchdowns to five different wide receivers. So this is an offense now all of a sudden, Justin, that has picked up the pace a little bit. The defense is obviously concerned a little bit, but that's on both sides because neither defense was obviously stopping each other in this football game. So this is more about Middle Tennessee State finding its way on the offensive end a little bit and what better time to do it in conference play. Tough that uh, the Blue Raiders came out on the on the wrong side in this football game, but you like to see the competitive fire in the offense start to flow because that was what was missing the last couple of years was a dynamic offense, a decent running game to go with it, and Cunningham brought that. I think in his first start he had phenomenal, 20-40. And, and, you know, junior quarterback had to sit behind Ash O'Hara, didn't get the start right away. So he comes out, does what he needs to do, kind of establishes himself as the starting quarterback. You know, 379, 28-40. He can only go up from here. I think this was a very dominant performance. 
for Charlotte, the rushing game was once again good. Camp and Bird, you know, splitting majority of the carries of the night. But I think the big storyline is Middle Tennessee Cunningham. I think if Cunningham's establishing himself as a very strong quarterback, and you know, is the, are the Blue Raiders going to have success this year? Probably not. But I think if they get Cunningham for one more year in his senior year, they can start at least building the foundation to. Maybe not make a run at the title, but at least make a run at a bull bid next year if, if Cunningham continues to great play. Let's get into the Saturday slate, Justin. There's plenty of football games that were very interesting and had interesting results. And we'll go to Central Michigan and FIU. Central Michigan holds off FIU 31-27. to Here was the score going into the fourth quarter, 27-10 FIU. FIU gets shut out in the fourth quarter, and Central Michigan scores 21 unanswered. Does that ring a bell to you? Marshall did that the week before against East Carolina. So this is two weeks in a row. A Conference USA team has blown a 17-point lead heading into the fourth quarter. This week it's FIU. Well, FIU, I think they're still a young football team. I think it's not like Marshall where they have. Marshall has all the pieces in place to make a run to the conference title. That's why whenever they they blow a lead, it's a lot more alarm bells are going off. This is a, a FIU is a very young football team. They're kind of just starting to get their identity together. Uh, you know, I think you you want to win close games if you're Butch Davis's squad. You lose a close one to Central Michigan. In the grand scheme of things, does a non-conference loss ma- win, loss matter? Not really. Conference plays when it counts, but you got to again establish the foundation for when conference play comes in. And the games are worth more. Bordenschlager, another fan, phenomenal day, 395. He's been, you know, he's been dominant since he's transferred from Maryland. I think he's a very good force for the for the for the Panthers. But here's a stat I found interesting, Andrew. Not as much on the run game this week. They really gave the ball to Bordenschlager more. I think he, you know, obviously one pick. That's ideally not what you, you know, one pick is it the world's greatest? No, but is it a good performance? Yes. But I think, you know, they have the pieces in place. And, again, I think they're kind of in, in the trouble spot. They're not really expected to do much this season. But interesting to see they've, they they kind of went back from the rush game a little bit and let Bordenschlager throw the ball a little bit more. I'm interested to see if that approach continues the rest of the season. Yeah, it didn't really have a whole lot of success. And maybe that's a, a tribute to what Central Michigan was able to do. Price only 50 yards and a touchdown. The backup Peterson had 40 yards. He seemed to be a little bit better uh, on the ground. But definitely – um, important, though, too, to mention the passing attack in Bortenschlager because they couldn't throw the football last year. So if you can throw the football but be able to run it at the same time, that's definitely something that FIU uh, will be needing throughout the Conference USA slate. And it puts you in better position to win games. Oh, yeah. If you run the ball and you're one-dimensional, are you going to win games? You'll win a couple, but you're not going to win as many as you want to win. So uh, FIU, this is a very – if they keep doing this you know, mix of the run in the pass – I think they're I think they're in a very good position for success. UTSA beats Memphis twenty eight or excuse me, thirty one to twenty eight. How about this game, Justin? And this is yet another Yeah, I texted you. I texted you that UTSA yeah. was disappointing me. This but, is another comeback. Justin texted me. It was twenty one nothing Memphis after the first quarter. Justin was panicking. He said UTSA, they're letting me down. Not letting you down, but they were surprising you. What's yeah, going on they with were. the Roadrunners? How about this though? They rack off 31 points over the next three quarters and hold Memphis to seven to win this football game, 31-28. And 21 of those 31 come in the final quarter and a game-winning field goal from Hunter Duplis 
from 42 yards out gives him the win. Well, I know one person on our staff who's not happy about this game. Ben Cowher, he took Memphis. He, yeah. he, he is not. He, we'll, I, we'll get our records here shortly. Yeah, but. I, I just got to. I, I got to. I got to say that when I get a chance to. UTSA, this was a very good win. You, you go against Memphis. This was. This was on team, the road. On the road in Memphis in the Liberty Bowl, but this was a team a couple years ago who was a Group of Five representative in, in in the New Year Six, and they still have a lot of their pieces in place from that team. So to go into their going to their stadium and beat them. Hats off to UTSA. They're they're the real deal. Uh, if you're UAB, I think you're scared right now. I, they're I think UTSA. I could probably give them a seventy five percent chance of winning this conference. That's high. That's a high percentage. I think they are. But again, I, after after beating Memphis, I think they're the real deal. I will agree with you though. And I don't know if this is agreeing with you, but I will say this. UTSA is the most impressive team through four weeks of football. Yeah. You go on the road, you beat Illinois by a touchdown. And it was a game where you felt like UTSA was going to win it all along. You beat Lamar, okay, you blew him out. You're expected to. You beat Middle Tennessee State by two touchdowns at home. Expected then you to. go on the road and you beat Memphis. You come back like that team did. That is quite impressive. Then you're going to go on the road and play UNLV. But the well, way UNLV this team's playing. Yeah, but team. the way you're playing just gives me a lot of confidence it's hard it's gonna be hard to pick against utsa in conference usa play until they say or show me a bad performance and you and you see the weaknesses pointed out but there's nowhere that you could say they got to improve on that or they can be the best seven and no team but when they get to uab la tech north texas they got no shot there's no weaknesses we can see right now or at least i can and mccormick finally had the breakout performance that he needed to have 184 yards against memphis and I'll go as far as to say this. And three this. touchdowns. Three touchdowns as well. Great day. And I'll go as far as to say this. If you're the college football playoff committee and it comes the first time for the rankings and UTSA is undefeated, if I'm a member, I'm putting them in after that win against Memphis. They are one of the top 25 teams in the country right now. That's bold. I, the I, resume is not there. Well, uh, and, and neither a, is the culture. Well, neither is the culture because UAB's got a little bit of a track record now. If they were undefeated, they've been to the Conference USA Championship two, three years. They've won it a couple of times too. So when you see that product on the field, it's it's a different perspective from a Conference USA team compared to a UTSA team that hasn't really been there. Yes, they've beaten Memphis and Illinois, but those aren't ranked teams or expected to be ranked teams year in and year out so it's going to be hard to judge that utsa has to run the table and be 10 and 0 11 and 0 defeat uab in my opinion for them to be ranked there there's just no well real I, shot I, there. I don't see it but streak, if they do uh, continue it, on it before before the first rank obviously right now i'm not gonna that's true that the rankings don't come out till november i'm just saying so. like as of right now if i'm a committee member i'm looking at the roadrunners being like if they didn't beat memphis but the way they came back against Memphis to me says they're they are a real deal team in this conference. And if you're UAB, you kind of thought you, you, the West Division wasn't going to be handed to you. You knew you had to play UAB, U, UTSA. I'm sorry. But now UTSA can compete against a team like Memphis, come back from a 21-0 deficit. That that this is a strong football team. I agree. It's going to that West Division race is going to be fun. Mark this in your calendars. November 20th. November 20th. Let's see what time. It's UTSA hosting UAB. That's already our game of the week. 
It's a 3.30 kick, so mark your calendars and get to a TV. I can move that TV. around for TV. Move that around and, yeah, get that on TV. Another good result here, Justin. Buffalo holds off Old Dominion 35-34. Old Dominion was down 35-7 to at halftime. You're thinking, no shot, game's over, the Monarchs are going to lose again, they'll fall to 1-3. and three. Well, they fell to 1-3, and three, but a second-half surge, 27 second-half points, the reason they didn't get 28, a missed extra point with 19 seconds left. DJ Mack Jr. found Zach Kuntz from 19 yards out, made it 35-34, but the, but the extra point from Nick Rice missed it. He botched it. I think if you're old opinion, you count this as a win. I mean, obviously not a win in the record book, but you count this as a win for this. Your team, you're, you're Ricky Ray, and you're trying to rebuild the – you're trying to – I don't want to say rebuild the culture, but you're trying to build your culture. Old Dominion's not had much success in this conference, and now you're trying to build the fo- football culture. You've had two years to install your systems. Week one, I think everyone knew for certain that that was going to be a loss against Wake Forest. Week two against Hampton, you were expected to blow out. This was your, this was your first real test in the group of five against Buffalo, another team that's experienced a coaching change. The Bulls had their coaching change done middle of spring practice when Leopold went to Kansas. And you come in, and so you're, you're, you're 35, you're about 35-7. You come back, you have a lot of grit and tenacity. It would come back, make this a one-point game. That's a win for the Monarchs. Now, you know, I got to talk about DJ Mack because uh, 24 for 41. Got to work a little bit on the completion percentage, a little bit. Not saying it's going to win every game, but you got to. I think the more they got to make more passes. Seven for fifteen on third downs, not a bad night on third downs. Just one for two on fourth down efficiency. That's maybe one minor note, but if you're the Monarchs, I think there's a lot of positives out of this than a negative. Yeah, it definitely is going to sting a little bit that the Monarchs lose this football game on a missed extra point. You come all the way back, four touchdowns down and you miss the extra point to tie the game to send it to overtime, that's going to sting a little bit. But it does tell me that this team's going to fight, and they're not going to be an easy letdown. I think going in, everybody's like, okay, Old Dominion, new coaching change, a bunch of new players coming into the system, new head coach. You should be able to take care of business. No, that's that's not what we're going to see from Old Dominion this season because – this team could have thrown in the towel at halftime. You're down four scores at home. You're getting embarrassed. No, they turned it around. They fought. The defense shuts out Buffalo in the second half, and the offense started to perform. This team is not going to be an easy out in any Conference USA game. It's not going to matter, home or away. They're going to fight, and teams will have to earn victories against them. They're not the best team on paper, and they're not expected to finish at a high ranking in the East, but they're going to fight. I think that's the other thing. Like, like they – it's easier to kind of throw in the towel if you're a fan, like, oh, all right, we're one and three. We lost a one-point game. You got to remember this: this time last year they weren't playing football, so they're they're going through the rigors of a season again. They haven't done it in over a year, so it's gonna be a rough. It's gonna be rough, and so I think right now, if you're Ricky Rain Old Dominion, you're you're happy with the start, not where you want to be, but you know. If, if, if I looked at, when I looked at Old Dominion's schedule, I kind of thought one and three was going to be there. So I think they're right where I thought they were going to be. But Andrew, I mean, they got a tough rest of the season though. So 
Everybody in Conference USA has the rest of the tough rest of the year. They're well, similarly playing the same schedule. Well, I mean, you look at Old Dominion. Though. They got they got they got to play Marshall, and they got to play Western. Yeah. Two two top teams in the so East. So everybody so. else in the East. Well, but I think this is a team that has a lot more growing pains, and it's going to be a lot more demanding for them than against the other the other yeah. schools. The other schools have like their schemes down. Like they they played yeah. last. It'll definitely be a challenge just because of that, and but it's going to be they although they can overcome that by playing hard, competing for the full sixty minutes in games. I mean, I'm just looking at their schedule. I mean, they don't really have. They may have one more winnable game left against Middle Tennessee. The rest of the year is just maybe two with FIU. So Charlotte can slip up. Any team can slip up. Right. On paper, they're not going to be favored in many football games, but they're, they're you building never know. the. Th- this is the game show that they're built. They, they're starting to build the blocks to be very successful in, in the future. So. It may not come this year, but it won't come this year. Place. It'll take time. It'll take like two to three years. But it's like, important in a rebuild to not go two and ten, but have right. good performances. You want to go four and eight, five and seven at the you know it's a good six start. and six. The try to try to sneak up on a couple of teams and beat teams that you weren't expected to beat. That's part of the rebuild. Yep. Rice defeats Texas Southern by two touchdowns. This was another high-scoring game, 48-34. How about this? Jordan Myers was a tight end the past couple of years for Rice. He actually started his career at the with the Owls as a running back. Then he moved to tight end for three years, 2018 to 2020. He's back at running back, and, well, I guess it's a good decision he's back at running back. 26 carries, 160 yards, four touchdowns in the win for the Owls. The big storyline to me, though, is the, the Rice defense allowing 34 points to Texas Southern and well over 450 yards, 350 of it coming through the air. It read my mind. That's where I was going to go. Defense. Yeah. It, it's unacceptable. I mean, Texas Southern's not. There's nothing against the team. They're not the strongest opponent that you're, that the Rice Owls are going to face all year. You're letting up 461. That's a problem because they're 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 in a very tough division. In, in the conference, so 461 in a non-conference game is a little worrisome on defense. Two and eight on third downs, and you know how much I like to harp on third downs. You got to oh, yeah. you got to make those, and they're not doing that. But Jay Constantine, great completion night, 18 to 23 for 271. So good night for him. Other than that, the defense they got to fix that. Because looking at their schedule, because I like analyzing the schedule here. Looking at Southern Miss this week. I mean, they still got a lot of tough games ahead of them. They're gonna have to clean that defense up spot because UTSA is next week, UAB next week. So in the next two, in the ne- their next two or three games oh, against yeah. the top two in the West. So gotta take the time, gotta sit in the film room and clean it up. La Tech, who's North Texas, wins by a touchdown. 24 to 17. The big storyline in this football game was not the it was the unavailability of quarterback Austin Kendall. He was unavailable. Aaron Allen got the start. 14 of 18, 137. Marcus Williams out of the backfield had 17 carries, 73 yards, two touchdowns. North Texas fought. In fact, 10 points there in the fourth quarter. But ultimately, the La Tech defense continues to prove to be solid. He got gashed last week by SMU, but this week. Hold North Texas to a 92 yards passing. That is well done from this La Tech secondary that had struggled in previous weeks. And to win this football game at home 
avoid the late comeback effort from the Mean Green without your starting quarterback is a good win, especially in Conference USA. Every win in conference play is big. Yeah, it is big. I always use the adage like it's worth double, Andrew. Because, like, that win, like, if you lose a game and you're on the teeter line, borderline and making it into the conference championship game, like, it's easy at the end to be like, oh, should have won that one. Oh, but why'd we lose that one? Ah, why? So, very good game for La Tech. The defense, phenomenal job. So, yeah, I think if you're La Tech, a lot of positive. But uh, North Texas, I think they're going to have a little quarterback issue. Jace Ruder, 3 of 10, 13 yards. So, uh, you talk about we've talked a lot about how North Texas yeah, he, he got the start. Yeah, we talked about how North Texas defense has changed a lot under bringing in Phil Bennett, Seth yeah, okay. He might have to start looking at uh, bringing in another quarterback to start because that uh, three of ten is unacceptable. Now he could have been injured. We you know you you could play the speculation game all you want, but they got to figure something out. And right now, Jace Ruder is not the solution. Yeah, that offense is usually not the concern for the Mean Green. It's been the defense, but uh, when you look back at some previous results now throughout this season, six points against UAB, 12 against SMU, and now 17 against La Tech, that's definitely a growing concern now offensively. They don't really have a quarterback. DeAndre Torrey is their running back. He ran for 119 yards and a touchdown, but no passing attack to speak of there. We won't spend much time on this one. Alabama 63, Southern Miss 14 case one is wondering Alabama did cover the line was 45 and a half and Southern Miss lost by 49 worth noting too that the quarterback for Southern Miss was Ty Keys the fret, true freshman um, gets draws another start in place of Trey Lowick quarterback again you're playing Alabama 11 of 24 131 a couple of touchdowns that came uh, one in the second quarter one in the fourth a pick and he was also the team's leading rusher not a good note here. Nine carries and seven yards for Frank Gore Jr. Again, you're going up against Alabama's Alabama, yeah. defensive uh, line against the Southern Miss offensive line. So. Yeah. Just be glad. Get your paycheck. Move yeah. on. So we won't spend much time there. But no. Southern Miss, a couple of bright points. You get some scores against Alabama, but ultimately fall big in that one. A little bit of a shocker here. FAU only able to put up seven points in a loss to Air Force. 31 points for Air Force and only seven for FAU you're in shocked? a game that – Offensively, FAU couldn't get going, and the defense wasn't there. You're shocked? I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm a little bit shocked, Justin. I mean, a good result against <laughs> um, Fordham and Georgia Southern. They put up a good fight against Florida. The offense just seemed to got to go cold. And this was against an Air Force team that defensively had given up 45 or 49 the week prior against Utah State and did pretty well against Navy, but Navy's down this year. So I was a little bit shocked by this. I thought FAU and Nicosia Superior would do a much better job offensively. didn't have it, though. Yeah, I'm not surprised because remember I told you last week, altitude. You yeah, go up true. there, you know, it's like, I don't, know if I, I don't know if any of our listeners have been to Colorado, but, you know, unless you're unless they're down in Boca practicing with like one, like the thing that the little rock climbers wear, like little, like the breathable mm-hmm. mask, it's very hard to adjust to the high altitude. You're just going. Now, the offense, 11 for 33, Nicosi Perry. That's yeah, not, not a good day. It's unacceptable. See, I'm getting, I'm getting to the real analysis. I'm, I'm just, I'm just setting up a logistical reason first before I get into my analysis here. I mean, here's a good thing for, uh, well, Moy Taggart, seventy yards passing, pass defense. So you have one, you have one good night. But <laughs> Air Force threw it four times. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's get to uh, the rush defense. Four hundred forty-six yards. 
that's a problem. But again, Air Force run, run heavy. So yep. if you're the Owls, you kind of just throw this game away. You kind of move on. You go back to nice sunny Boca where the altitude's a lot better and yes. there's nice golf courses for you and I to play. Yeah, well, we're not going to be in Boca Raton, but for the, for the FAU coaches on their bye week maybe. Oh, but yeah. they're always prepping the or founders. recruiting. Yeah, definitely an interesting result there. UAB defeats Tulane by a touchdown, 28-21. Tulane got a late score in the fourth quarter to make this interesting. Ultimately, there was only one touchdown um, between the two teams each in the second half. Jermaine Brown Jr. with a touchdown run in the third, and then a Tulane touchdown pass from Michael Pratt in the fourth made this a 28-21 game, but the defense is hold strong, and that was the final score. Um, Dylan Hopkins gets the start at quarterback. 243 touchdowns and a pick. That's a solid day yeah, besides, despite the turnover. The ground game again. McBride 111. I yeah. talked about him as being a breakout player uh, in our preview section. He go, he, he runs the football relatively well. Brown Jr. gets a score. 56 yards. Prince, the tight end, was big. Shopshire caught a 65-yard pass for a touchdown. Again, no shock here. I think I, I expected UAB to win this football game against Tulane. A solid team that hung around with Oklahoma. Has some good results this year. Uh, this is a good win for the Blazers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the Johnston era is done in, in Birmingham for now. We'll see throughout the season if he comes back. They've always rotated those guys every once in a while. But he has always battled injuries, too. So, like, the last couple of years, he just could never get a rhythm, I think, and establish himself as a quarterback. But this year, he struggled a little bit, and that's why it's given Hopkins the opportunity to play a lot. But over the past couple of years, he just could never stay healthy. And then he didn't know whether it was going to be Hopkins, Lucero, Whoever, but this year it's definitely Hopkins. I think it's Hopkins' him. time to shine for now. Yeah, we'll see how long the leash is. You know, how how long have, how, how how well does he perform over the next couple of weeks? Like when you have three quarterbacks, three quality starting quarterbacks in in the QB room. If you're Bill Clark, like, 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 I'll, I'll use the Marshall analogy for example. Grant Wells, the leash is long. No, right? he's not losing right. his job. He's not losing his job. When you're UAB and you have three quarterbacks, I'm pretty in the sure room, I'm pretty sure Grant Wells leads the nation in passing yards. Or he's in the top five. He's yeah, relatively top. close. Well, I'll, I'll but it, but go on, though. I'll look it up. Right. But when you have three quarterbacks in the room and there are three capable starters, one guy has a bad night, it's like Russian roulette. You move the next guy in. Okay, this guy has a bad night. Okay, out you go. Let's put the third guy in. So if you're a UAB quarterback, you you got to always be looking behind your back for your job. So Hopkins is the guy as of now. We'll, we'll see how long he lasts. And – We'll see when they decide to make the switch again. Wells is fifth in passing yards. Rashina Ali actually leads the first in rushing touchdowns. Leads college football in all. Well, he leads all of college football in touchdowns scored. With all right, the kickoff return. Uh, ten or ten or eleven. Uh, because yeah. he's got eight rushing, one receiving, and, and, uh, and uh, one the kick return over yep. the weekend as well. The ninety-seven yard fake. Uh, kick return as well. And why I've got these stats looked up, DeAndre Torrey's fourth in the nation in rushing yards. Jacob Cowling from UTEP's fourth in the nation in receiving yards. But that's really off the point of what we were discussing there. We'll continue on. You we know, have the preseason publications next year are going to have Ali. Huh? They're probably going to have Ali as one of the top yeah. running backs. Yeah, good. If he, he keeps it up. If he continues at that historic pace he's at in yeah. terms of touchdowns. When it's the Cower era of inside. Yeah, could be. Indiana defeats Western Kentucky by two points. Tough result for Western Kentucky, but a good way, uh, you could say, in a way for this team to kind of get to a point of closing up non-conference play. They'll have Michigan State this week, but it's a solid result at home against an Indiana team 
that has always been solid. Fought against Cincinnati, only lost by a couple of scores. Uh, did lose to Iowa as well, but this is a good Indiana team, and Western Kentucky played well enough and gave it a gave it a ride in this football game. Obviously, you go down fourteen to nothing early in this game and, and fall behind. You battle back, make this a nine score or nine point game at the half, uh, and continue to battle throughout the closest this game ever was was two points twice in the second half. Eventually, the final score uh, after a late touchdown. But again, the Hilltoppers offensively no real issue besides the run game. The run game. Totals up 93 yards, really combined by Whittington and Cofield. Those two combined for most of those rushing yards. But Bailey Zappi, another good performance, 365 and three touchdowns. Yeah, I think I think he's had a very good year, Andrew, and he's kind of, you know, I think he's kind of calmed down from the seven touchdowns against UT Martin. I think now he's kind of getting into his rhythm. And I owe an apology to the Hilltopper fans. I didn't think the Houston Baptist offense would work, and it's working, so. Obviously very successful there, but, uh, you know, Andrew, I got to point one thing out. Uh, Passing defense, 334. I mean, 373, sorry. Pass defense, I mean, it's not a great performance, but you're playing against a Big Ten team in your building. That's a phenomenal night. And congrats to the Hilltoppers for getting a Big Ten team to come to Bowling Green. A lot of time, most Power 5 teams don't want to go to, like, a group of five, you know, loss loss of money, but... They were to get the uh, uh, the Hoosiers to show up, so good for them. Good game, but if you're tough uh, result, but yeah, I think tough definitely result. At, definitely at home, good effort. But I think the thing is this: you, you held your own against a Power Five team. Yep. There's and not really any negative in that, so you move on. All right, let's get to the last game on the Saturday slate. Uh, the UTEP Miners are three and one. Uh, Dan Demel squad. They beat the. Lobos of New Mexico by a score of 20-13. Andrew, your thoughts on this one? This was a really good win for UTEP. You went down 13-3 to at the half and put up a shutout in the second half. 17 points. Deion Hankins rushing touchdown. Gavin Hardison touchdown pass to Jacob Cowing and then a field goal in the fourth quarter. But this is a really good win. and I continue to be impressed by this UTEP team. Obviously, it was New Mexico uh, that you're able to get this victory against but again this team's three and one they know how to win football games good to see that Deion Hankins is back and relatively healthy after missing a couple of games didn't run the ball well really really well at all 13 carries 25 yards isn't great but you won the football game and that's all that matters UTEP's able to get another victory now you go into Conference USA play and you're going to get a relatively easy start here Old Dominion and then Southern Miss and we'll preview the Old Dominion and, and pick it coming up here but uh, this is a chance for UTEP to build some momentum off this 3-1 and one start, and I'm impressed by what they've been able to do through three games because they have not been able to get three wins in a season in a while. It's, it, they've struggled, but this yeah. is a good start. you, you got to win games ugly, and that's what they did in this one. I think it's very good for Dan DeMell. You know, I think at the beginning of the year I kind of thought he was on the hot seat just by the way of the performance, but they've had a good year. And uh, I'm going to move to make a guarantee, Andrew. Go ahead. I think they're. Gonna, I think they're. Gonna, I think they're gonna go bowling this year. I, I think they've. They've done a very three think, wins. They've had a very phenomenal. They, they're gonna probably have five wins by, hopefully by the end of the uh, by the end of the month. Pick one up in November, so I'm gonna go guarantee the UTEP Miners going bowling. All right, we'll bring in Ben Cower now for part two. All right, part two of this podcasted version of Inside Conference USA. We're gonna be joined by Ben Cower now. 
No need to put on the headphones, Ben. You can't hear me. And, and we're on the classroom studio. We are uh, socially distant. Behind he, he's behind the glass. I'm finally. free. Way, way from it. Uh, but, all right, your bullseye. Well, actually, let's start with, did your bullseye, was it a success while you were ill? And we're glad you're better. Yes, yeah, sir. Thank you. Uh, we missed you last week. I know. I missed you guys, too. Uh, sadly, it was it was not. The bullseye did not So we're land. 0 for 2. We're two we missed two in a row. We're, no. We're 2 and 2. 2 and 2. Okay. Because I, I hit week 1 with uh, Correct. Charlotte over Duke. Missed week 2. Uh, week 3, I had Troy over Southern. Good. And then last week, I said uh, So pretty Tulane much you're over. telling whoever listens to this edition of Inside Conference you would say your pick this week will hit based yes. off recent history. All right, fire yes. away with what you've got. All right, my pick this week, the bullseye is Louisiana Tech beating ranked NC State. So NC State's not covering that 19 and a half. No, I had no cover, but I think you like the Louisiana, I like Louisiana Tech. And here's why. Uh, both Louisiana Tech and NC State, one of them's ranked, one's not, obviously, but they have both played Mississippi State at Mississippi State. I will say Louisiana Tech was a lot closer to beating that, you know, beating Mississippi State than NC State was. As a factual and that, statement. And NC State played Mississippi State more recently yeah. than Louisiana State or Louisiana Tech, excuse me. And Louisiana Tech every every game they play is so close. So even if I think they come out on top in this one. Uh, even though NC State beat Clemson in a major upset, I guess. I mean, Clemson's not really that fantastic this year, but uh, I like Louisiana Tech over NC State. I think their offense is going to get it done. It's going to be a really close game. It might go into uh, extra time. but Overtime. Uh, I like Louisiana Tech in this one because Bullpick. I don't think NC State, I think they're they're riding high on their horse a little bit and, Louisiana Tech will bring them back down to earth a little bit. Bold pick, and that'll lead us into Justin and I's picks here. What are our records, though, before we get into the rest of our... Uh, All right. So, to preface this, if the Memphis game hit, <laughs> I would have been one game behind Andrew and one game ahead of Justin. Wow. Okay. So, right. that's so just that how much happen. that single game affected the, affected the standings. But as of right now, Andrew is... Two games ahead of everybody at forty-three and five. I Justin, went undefeated last week. Yes, <laughs> there yes. you go, listeners. Listen we, to we me. Should you, we should get you a little king hat for you. Uh, Justin is at forty-one and seven, and I'm at forty and eight. And for anybody interested, for some continuity from last week, our our visiting producer Alex Jackson, he went ten and one. Ten and one. He's going to make an appearance back on this okay. program. I was just, I kept his record that down. That is quite so. impressive. And what, what game did he miss? I think you he know? did better than I did. He missed the one game he missed was Tulane. 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 Over yeah, UAB. Yeah, yeah. And never, don't doubt conference. USA every you were the uh, Andrew was the only person that picked UAB in that go. game. There you go. All right, NC State Law Tech. Justin, you go first. Ben already likes Law Tech. Yeah, I agree with Ben on this one part. I think they are going to be running off high after beating Clemson. Get closer I mean, to your mic, Justin. You know, get closer to the mic. Yeah, I, I believe this. They, I believe they're going to be riding high off after beating Clemson. You know, I think okay. they eliminated Clemson out of the playoff. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go with the NC State. I think they think they're a lot better than La Tech. La Tech's defense. I think they, they were strong last week against North Texas. I think this is going to be close. So give me the Wolfpack. 
I'm going to go uh, NC State as well. You know, I, I can't do it just because NC State's at home riding a lot of momentum. This is a good defense and a lot of tech. Um, there was, I mean, who knows what Austin Kendall's availability is going to be like. He didn't play this past week, and even if he does play, didn't play last week, so he's going to be maybe a little bit rusty, and especially playing on the road. I think it is a close football game, and I don't think this is more than a two-touchdown game, but I like NC State uh, at home in that game. Marshall, Middle Tennessee State. We won't be there, and we won't have anything riding on the game, really, so it's the first time we'll be able to pick this matchup, a Conference USA East Division matchup. I'll go with the Herd. I like Marshall in this football game to bounce back. Murfreesboro is a tough place to play. Marshall went there two years ago. I was there, and the Herd put up well over 550 yards of offense and only accounted 13 points for all that yards gained. So it's it's a similar scenario entering into this year because the offense has been so good but sometimes it doesn't result in points and the offense has been inconsistent but I like the herd to go on the road against the middle Tennessee state team that struggled a little bit offensively but inconsistent the offense looked good though again in the loss against Charlotte put up 39 points Cunningham was good as a quarterback so it's a test for the defense how do they respond how does the offense respond having to go on the road it's a night game as well but I'll take the herd I'm taking the herd on this one. As you said, Andrew, uh, last week on the road versus Charlotte, it was a close game, 39-42. to 42, But as I'm looking at the stats here, I mean, Middle, Middle Tennessee's their strength on offense is passing, not rushing, and Marshall's biggest weakness on defense is rushing, is stopping the rush. Yep. So, And on top of that, looking at where Charlotte dinged them, it was – pretty even they had 220 yards rushing and they had 339 yards passing and Marshall is very much a dual threat in their offense I mean they can destroy you with the pass and Ollie and Evans and knowledge and whatever running back the herd brings to the table they'll rack up the yards on you so I'm gonna take the herd in this one well, well, it's Tuesday when we recorded this, and you listen to their media availabilities today. Uh, Millette, Hoff, Gaines, and all the players like they're they're furious, they're frustrated. You know, I, I, I won't use the word that they use, but they, they they're mad. I'm gonna go Marshall, but I think this is close. I think Middle Tennessee is gonna give them a run for their money. The 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 fourth quarter though concerns me, so I think this game is gonna be close. But Marshall edges out. I'll go by three points. Oh, close one, close one. Okay. Charlotte on the road to face Illinois. Illinois is one in four. Three of those, those four losses by a combined 14 points. One of those games to UTSA. How do you see it going, Justin? Charlotte, they beat a Power 5 Duke. And Duke's kind of is about the same level as Illinois is right now. But this game's in Illinois. So give me the fighting Illini. Very close. Multiple on multiple occasions on this show so far this year, I've chosen Charlotte because I, you know, I I really like them when they're at home. When Charlotte is at home, they're a very very good football team. But when they're away, especially against Illinois, I mean, as you said, Illinois' combined losses it is not by much. You know, in in combining everything so i like or i like illinois in this matchup over charlotte i think it'll be within a a touchdown or two but i just see illinois coming out on top this one charlotte away from home kind of scares me i'll make it a third illinois you mentioned it too 
uh, Justin, about the road and how this team, or maybe it was Ben that said, I, I, it was Ben on the uh, road. Uh, because this team's played one road game, only scored nine points. 20 to 9 loss to Georgia State. So I'm going to go Illinois. This is a better football team than the record shows. And although Charlotte offensively looked really good and played well last week, I don't think they'll do enough to go on the road and steal a Big Ten victory there in the non-conference play. FIU, FAU, another Conference USA East matchup. I'll start us off here, boys. Uh, I'll go FAU. FAU offensively struggled a week ago in a tough matchup with Air Force. And this is an FIU team going to have to play its third consecutive road game and coming off a very, very tough loss to swallow. You go up 17 points in the fourth quarter and lose that game to Central Michigan. So I think FAU writes the ship, takes advantage of an FIU team that's a little bit frustrated. It'll be a closer game than expected, but giving FAU by a score. Okay. Well, I think for FIU, the only benefit is they'll probably be able to sleep in their own beds. Miami from is not that far from Boca Raton, so not not gonna be too far of a commute. They will probably head up that day. So if if the Zimmer winner was still around, I'd take FAU by more than ten and a half. I think Florida. It, 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 well, that is still around. Oh, it is still around every once in a while. Oh. But did we do it last week? No, we. You can bring it back right now. You, you sent me down. You're Zimmer winner. Yep. I did send you down. I, yeah. It's hard uh, to forget because you're not behind the glass anymore. But you got a Zimmer well, winner you, for you us. Got, you got you to you you cue the theme song. Yeah, right. Yeah. We'll adjust that when we're back on the air next yeah. Wednesday, October. October the fourth. Yep. Uh, FAU. I'm gonna go FAU, FAU by more than ten and a half. I think they rebound against FAU. The spreads at ten and a half. Give me Florida Atlantic way over. And it's the Shula Bowl. It is, Our yeah. friend Nick Verzellini taught us, taught me that. Yeah, or taught all of us that. I'm taking FIU for this really? match. Really? I'm Go taking ahead. FIU. Last game was close. FAU had a really disappointing showing against Air Force. You made a really good point last week, Justin, with the the air difference and just the how different it is with the you know being that far above sea level. Uh, but I like FIU in this matchup. Because FAU really struggles against the run. If you have anywhere a half-decent running back, which FIU does, uh, you know, I I wouldn't say that uh, Devontae Price is the best running back in in the conference, but, I mean, he's he's certainly more than capable. He's had a solid season so far. FAU, again, coming off a tough loss, I think, I don't know, FIU – I feel like he's going to win this game. It's going to be close, but they're going to surprise FAU on the rush, on the run specifically. Uh, Wardenschlager will get it done in the air. I mean, he'll he's good for at least one or two interceptions probably, but I like Price. I think Price is going to be the difference maker in this game. And FIU, if, if when, I should say, when FIU wins this game, it will be on the ground. I also this, but I just think it's better because the commute's not that far. They could probably leave Saturday morning. Like it's an away game, but kind of it has like a home atmosphere too. It has it because you know there's going to be FIU fans right. there. Right, like, they're only like an hour apart from each other. So, so it's going to be it's an away game, but at the same time, it's not that far away yeah. at all. They'll probably go up that day. Probably. The atmosphere isn't what is going to control this game. I yep. think it'll be one on the ground. First conference USA game for both teams as well. All right, we're, we're going to go visit the Roadrunners. They're welcoming the 0-4 Rebels of the University of Nevada at Las Vegas. Andrew, your pick on this. 
UTSA. UNLV has struggled um, all but one game, actually two games. Fresno State was close last week, only lost by eight, but you've been blown out by Iowa State and Arizona State, and you lost in double overtime to Eastern Washington. Um, I'm going to go UTSA. I like McCormick and what he's been able to do so far this season, and it's a UNLV team that's been gashed against the run so far this year. The defense has struggled, giving up nearly 40 a game. It's given up 163 on the ground. I think Frank Harris will be uh, really have a bounce-back performance. It wasn't great against Memphis, but he was solid enough to get the job done. I like what he does, and I think Sincere McCormick has another big game on the ground. So give me the Roadrunners to be 5-0. and I don't think this game is going to be a blowout because Las Vegas has kept it within reason with their past four games, but, I mean, the records are inverse. 0-4 <laughs> versus undefeated 4-0. It, you can't not choose the Roadrunners here. I'm going to choose uh, UTSA is going to come out on top this one. Justin? Roadrunners. Uh, McCormick's going to have a field day. Give me, uh, give me the Roadrunners big. We'll go to Southern Miss and Rice. There's three games, or actually four games, at the Conference USA matches. We're starting to pick up the pace when we get Conference USA games. It's going to be really good here, really after week five and six, when every game we talk about is going to be Conference USA. So we're going to, we're going to be able to dive deeper into the game, the actual game itself. Whereas now we're yeah. just trying to, you know, trying to get it through. And obviously, this is podcast version. We're not going to go an hour and a half because nobody's going to sit and listen to that. You try to keep it nice and short and sweet but week five has another matchup four games between conference usa matchups and and teams this one southern miss going to rice two one and three teams and two teams that will play their first conference usa game we'll start with bound this one again it's at rice but i like southern miss in this one uh southern miss has obviously had a up and down season so far but I think their offensive capability is certainly there uh, I, I really don't see that as much with Rice I mean they both are one and three I mean they're looking for any win they can get at this point but I mean Southern Miss uh, when given the opportunity uh, they blew out grambling uh, weren't so good against Troy uh, and then we're able to still put up two touchdowns on Alabama. Um, I don't know. They've been very up and down, but I don't know. I just gut feeling more so on this one. I like them over Rice. I think they get it done in a away game. Yeah, I think Rice's defense last week concerned me against Texas Southern, putting up 33 points. The Rice's defense has not been that good all year. Southern Miss hasn't been great all year either, but I'm going to go with the Golden Eagle as well. I just, I just think Rice's defense has just been very concerning. So The fact that they gave up so much to Texas Southern, who yeah, has that, barely been able to put up anything this year. That, that's alarming. And they almost lost to Texas Southern. It was within, you know, it was a, that was a, a fairly close score. It was 34-40. to 40, and I mean, within two touchdowns, they should have been leading by much more yeah. over Texas Southern. I agree Southern Miss. I, I, I just got a lot of concerns with Rice's defense. I'm going to go Rice. I like the Owls. I think the Owls get it done. They're at home. Um, and this is a team that is built on running the football. Jordan Myers is coming off that big game on the ground. He had four touchdowns. He's got five this season. Um, whoever gets the start at quarterback, whether it's McCaffrey, Constantine, Wiley Green, 
and it, it's probably going to be Constantine. He got the start last week and, and played relatively well, 18 of 23, 271. I think he'll get the job done because I'm, I feel better about Rice's offense than I do Southern Miss's offense. And I think Rice, system-wise, defensively, will be able to right the ship. That's a type of game against Texas Southern where you need a game like that so you can see, okay, we need to improve on that. We need to focus on that. We need to see what the film was against that team and where are we wrong where are we doing wrong at why did we get gashed and give up 34 yards or 34 points I should say against Texas Southern so that's a game that's a learning lesson for the Rice defense I think it shows I like Rice by probably double digits I would not be surprised if Rice wins this football game by double digits all right boys you guys want to go visit the Big Ten one more time oh boy let's go visit the Big Ten I'm glad uh, you wh- skipped over that one game that's our game of the week yep so good. I, did. I didn't tell you that, but good. Go well, on. that's what I was thinking of the game of the week because yeah, good. good, great, well, great minds think alike. Yes, you see, we're buddies. We're all, we're all friends. Here. All right, uh, we're gonna go, boys. Let's go visit Sparty. The Hilltoppers are gonna be making a nice visit to Michigan State. I'm gonna start this one. Angel, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a different order. Ben, I'll let you start off. Oh, it, it, oh, okay. the Hilltoppers gonna have an upset with Sparty. No, no, the. Michigan State, they're ranked. They've had multiple solid wins so far this year. Uh, I mean, obviously, they beat Scott Frost's mess in Nebraska. Uh, they beat another ranked team in or 24th ranked Miami, uh, or at the time they were 24th ranked. I mean, and they beat up on Northwestern and Youngstown State. Western Kentucky has a good offense. They are a good football team. <laughs> but this year... I mean, they every loss is agonizingly close, and I just feel this is going to be another one of those agonizingly close losses where Michigan State pulls out a little bit earlier in the game. They're going to have a lead. Western will come back. They'll close up the gap right, you know, when they need to. But you know, ball don't lie, and I'm going to go with the patterns on this one. <laughs> They, outside of when they beat up on UT Martin, lost a close game to Army, lost a close game to Indiana. I think they lose another close game here to Michigan State. I don't think this one's going to be close. I think Western Kentucky's offense is finally going to get that, not going to say punch in the face, but they're going to get hit in the mouth because this Michigan State defense has only given up 18 points per game and only gave up 17 to a Miami team that, is led by Derek King, who's the mobile threat quarterback. He can throw it, he can run it, um, transferring in from Houston. So he's a really good quarterback, and a lot of people thought he was going to have a great year. And Michigan State's defense uh, held him in that offense to only 17 points. Numbers-wise, they're giving up about 400 yards per game, but overall they've been able to get stops in the red zone when needed, and the offense is solid. I mean, you're averaging 35 a game through four games, and you've played some quality competition, including – uh, two Big Ten teams, so I like Michigan State, and I think Western Kentucky offensively, which has been rolling, 41 points per game, 500 yards of offense, but no real consistent running attack. That'll hurt this week because you need a balanced offense against a good defense, and Western doesn't have that, and they'll realize that this week when they are only able to put up um, not even 20. I don't, I don't think they reach over 20 points, so give they me the Spartans. Like 17? Like 17, yeah. If they get 21, that's right around where I thought at the most. Give me Sparty big. This game's not going to be close. Go get your paycheck. Move on. All right. O- Old Dominion, yep, Utah. Go to Thumble. 
Yeah, Old Dominion UTEP. One and three Monarchs, three and one Miners. First conference USA game for both of these schools in the 2020 year. Justin, what do you think? Malik Willis hasn't been that good for the Monarchs all season. I think he has another struggling night. Harrison's been good. Give me UTEP, but this game's going to be close because we learned last week Old Dominion can fight. UTEP has the edge. Uh, I mean, they're 3-1. and one. ODU obviously 1-3. and three. Uh, UTEP has been difficult to beat at home this year. Uh, I, I don't think either of these football teams are perfect or pristine, but I don't know. I like UTEP a lot more than ODU in this matchup. ODU, so far, I mean, their one win this year was not on the road and they got blown out by Liberty on the road, and they got blown out by Wake Forest on the road. I don't know necessarily if this will be a blowout, but... Oh, and I mean, they lost to Buffalo by an inch at home. So, again, coming off of multiple difficult losses, but I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I just they haven't shown that they have the ability to win on the road so far this year, and I don't think that... I don't think this game bucks the trend, so to say. So I take UTSA in this one. You mean UTEP? UTEP in this one. This is only the fourth meeting ever between these two schools. Old Dominion's won twice. UTEP's won once. I'll take UTEP. I think they tie the series 2-2. I want to pick Old Dominion, but I can't because of what I've said and what I like about this UTEP team. Balanced, Hardison's improved. Hankins is back and healthy. If he wasn't healthy, I'd pick Old Dominion, but he played last week. Didn't run the ball well. It was against a tough defense, but I think he bounces back. He's healthy. The Miners defeat the Monarchs, and the Miners will be 4-1. That's incredible. Game of the week, Liberty UAB. The line is right around 1, 1.5, one 2 for two 3-1 teams. Liberty, which is an independent football team, not in a conference, but a team that is 4-1. lost to Syracuse this past week by three points. And it's a team that is led by the studded quarterback Malik Willis, who is really on a lot of NFL draft boards, could go in the first round. UAB defending Conference USA champions. The defense is strong. The offense continues to pick it back up. Ben, we'll start with you here. What do you like about this matchup, and how does it end up? It's going to be a QB duel where you have Willis, obviously, for Liberty, who's having a Again, once again, another solid season. And then you have Hopkins, who out of nowhere has just arrived at UAB and has played two fantastic games in a row. I mean, yeah, he did have a pick against Tulane, but they still dominated Tulane at Tulane. They, it was a difficult road game. Yeah. I mean, every everybody, but everybody here on staff except for Andrew picked Tulane to win that game because it was Tulane's first game back since the hurricane, you know, expect them to, hey, they're going to fight hard. Still, UAB came out on top, and there's a lot of questions about Hopkins. Hey, was it a fluke performance, you know, in his one start? Does he really have it over Johnston? And so far, he has shown that he is a more than capable QB. He's back in UAB uh, at home. I like UAB in this one. I'm gonna. It's gonna be a really close game, as indicated by the line and the spread. You know, 1.5 right now, but I like UAB in this one. I think UAB comes out just on top over Liberty, and it'll be 
a marquee win for UAB this season? Well, UAB is opening up the brand new city of uh, down in Birmingham, but UAB party is going to be spoiled. Liberty, I got Liberty winning this game. Malik Willis, as you talked about, he he's favorite for the first round of the draft. For some boards, this Liberty team is dominant. So give me the Flames in this game. You know what? UAB's playing its first game in that new stadium. That, that, there's going to be an electric crowd there. I'm not going to pick against it. It's going to be a tough challenge, but listen, Conference USA needs quality wins. UTSA's provided quality wins. I think UAB gets it over Liberty. This is a team that lost last week. Syracuse held them to only 21 points, and I think UAB defensively is really good. This is a good defense. They continue to play well. I'll take the Blazers. Hopkins has has been the guy. They've got a bunch of running backs, a good group of wide receivers and tight ends for Hopkins to throw to as well. I like the Blazers. I'm with Ben on this pick. Any final remarks before we post this on the SoundCloud and Spotify's and all those things? About halfway through the season. I I think we're getting near October. Now for these teams, it's crunch time. Conference time. Yeah. Now the games start getting worth double. So if you're a team playing a conference game from here on in, you know, you want to you want to be in the conference championship? You got to win. But yeah, every game matters, and it's going to be really interesting from here on out. That's how to separate the uh, pretenders from the contenders. You know, it's that time. Yeah, it is. We'll be back next Wednesday, October sixth at five thirty to be live again. Hopefully, we're all healthy to be here live for that episode. But thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you then.